Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 137 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan. How the heck are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, Got outside a lot with the dog. It's been beautiful here. It's been like the 70s. Mm. Um, So Nala and I have been going on walks around like 630, watching the sunrise, dodging other dogs. Surprisingly, a large amount of dog walkers out at 630. Mm. Yeah, originally, Lauren was supposed to be on this episode. We're planning on reviewing a game but we're both not done with that so had to tag in uh, rusty for this episode that's right so yes uh probably some uh, hopefully welcome news for the listeners if you are a new listener to otaku brothers or a reoccurring listener of the show ryan and i typically sit behind the microphone and talk about a whole slew of things mostly video games but occasionally we'll talk about some real life stuff Maybe some movie or TV news, which we'll get into a little bit today. Yeah. Among anything that really comes up on this podcast, we're pretty uh, freeform in that sense. But yes, so some news to report that will impact, I guess, me being on the show more often than what I'd anticipated. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of give people a lay of the land before we kind of kick off the show and talk about the games that we've been playing recently, including Elden Ring, Demon's Souls, Horizon Forbidden West, among some other stuff. Yeah. It's going to be really good times. I will probably be stepping back onto a normal, regular recording schedule because Warren and I um, had some real-life happenings uh, recently that were kind of unfortunate and came at a pretty bad time. So, If you listen to the past couple of episodes, you'll know that we were dealing with some issues with our roof. Uh, We had some water intrusion in our our bedroom, and we were worried about other areas in the house where we might have some water intrusion as well. Well, we got some pretty significant rainfall over the past few weeks here in the Midwest, and to the detriment of our house. And so last week or two weeks ago, we had water intrusion coming through our family room ceiling. Um, It was going into our basement, uh, as well as our bedroom, uh, into our kitchen, a number of areas. And so we had to file a claim with insurance. They came out and when they got up on the roof, well, we had a roofer come out first and then we had the insurance company come the roofer, when they got onto our roof, said it was one of the worst roofs they've seen in the 20 plus years of them doing business. That's always good to hear. So that That's instilled like, quite right? a bit of hope in Lauren and I. Yeah. And in addition to that, there is a hole on the siding of our house where a window is. And basically a whole family of squirrels decided to chew away at the wood and burrow into the ceiling of our house or the roof of our house. And because of that, All of the water that we were getting was going directly into that hole, coming down the siding of our roof and right into our house because that water has to come out somewhere and it was coming into our home. And so it's been a very stressful few weeks and Lauren has had a lot going on with her job and some international recalls. And so she's going to be traveling the world here shortly um, to kind of solve those issues. And because of that and because of other just personal life stuff that I won't get into, I chose to withdraw from that cybersecurity program that I was going to do. I think it's a smart move. 
And sure. so from all of the uh, my peers at work and my, my dad and Lauren and other folks that I kind of wanted their advice uh, on about potentially withdrawing from the program, they were like, yes, that is a very healthy, mature decision. And that's probably what you should move forward with doing. Otherwise, you're probably going to lose your mind. And so I withdrew from the program, which I such a tremendous load off my shoulders. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I think I gave you guys crap already, but you you and Lauren tend to uh, see your plate and then take a buffet style approach and just mound up everything. And uh, yeah, I, I think that'll give you more time for the important things in life like video games. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> No, so we, we do have a lot going on here in the next several months. And so I think it was for the best that I stepped down from the program. I can do it whenever. It's not like this is going to dramatically um, change the trajectory of my career in any significant way, I don't think. Um, and I have to f- look out for myself first. Yeah, for sure. So with that means that, you know, Ryan and I, we're not going to be recording every single week, but every other week and kind of staying true to that schedule that we had moved to uh, a couple months back, yep. I can now commit to. Nice. Um, which I'm excited about. Welcome so, back. Good, sir. Thank you. Thank you. So that aside, Ryan, that's kind of like the latest update about me. More Otaku Brothers coming to your queues very soon. I'm sure Ryan and I will kind of hype up some episodes coming down the pipeline towards the tail end of the show. But what about you? What's been going down the past couple weeks? Dude, my life has just been consumed by like Elden Ring <laughs> these last couple weeks. I've been loving the crap out of it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get into the games and stuff. Um, there's been a few game announcements. We've had State of Play with PlayStation, where I think it it might have been top two or three most anticipated games for me, the uh, Hogwarts game. Hogwarts Legacy, yeah. Yes, and I was super stoked. I mean, I know you grew up with the Harry Potter games on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I've only touched the Lego games, but I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing it kind of realized in next-gen graphics, uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm I'm super over the moon excited. And, and we've talked about it too, leading up to hearing more details about the game, you know, subsequent to its original kind of announcement um, many moons ago. I don't know if it was a PlayStation conference or it was E3 or was something in between, but it's developed by Avalanche Studios, which mm-hmm. more recently um, did the Disney Infinity games when the Toys to Life craze was, you oh, know, okay. alive and a well with Skylanders and um lego dimensions and disney infinity during that like three year craze they were developing that game but then previous to that and i'll probably get this wrong but they did stuff on the n64 like rugrats in paris and and some of those very you know kid-friendly licensed games which i feel like a next logical step is disney infinity but then to take the leap to an elder scrolls size and scope of a world and take on the harry potter license and build out like literally Rockstar's Bully meets Elder Scrolls in a Harry Potter game. Yeah. It looks phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, there looks like there's a lot of side stuff to do. I think one of the expansions for Skyrim was being able to build a house or customize a house. Um, and that seems to be what one of the cool things you can do um, in this game as well is kind of build out your own little Harry Potter hut. That's amazing. And uh, yeah. fill it with creatures. All the creatures look great. Um, hopefully they're pulling from the fantastic beasts, some of those things that you see in those movies. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super excited to be able to become a dark Lord of the Sith or a dark Lord of the wizarding arts. I mean, you can have Vatican from what we saw in this. So, mm-hmm. um, I hope there's a lot of dungeons. I don't know if it'll be as big as Skyrim, but it doesn't, 
necessarily need to be as long as it's fleshed out and living. And it seems to be pretty alive from what we saw in the trailer. Yeah, graphically, um, I was really impressed. And, you know, kind of to your point about you can kind of become a Dark Lord, it does look like there's some kind of maybe morally consequential type decision things that you can do similar to like I got some big fable vibes with this yeah. in terms of your character kind of based on the decisions you make based on the types of friends you're hanging out with you could potentially become you know like literally the next Voldemort uh, or Voldemort be- before Voldemort was yeah. a thing I also really like too that um, we don't really know the full details of it or how it's going to work but when you do go to Hogwarts you're a fifth year I really like that and I yeah. guess what was a little difficult to understand is you you're a fifth year but you also get sorted into a house so it, it's i think that's going to be the main story is like what your background is because one of the npcs was basically saying like what how do you know him or like what's his story kind of thing and they allude to maybe you're not the chosen one maybe you don't have a scar on your head but there's some mysterious stuff i mean there's there's multiple schools i think there's like four harry potter schools or wizarding schools i guess and uh, maybe you come from one of those, or you are a dark lord, or like a reincarnation of magic itself. Yeah, my you're, thing, you're important. My thing is, though, that you can go to any of one of the four houses, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, yeah. Claw, Gryffindor, Slytherin. So I'm just wondering if it's very much like the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, where you have to basically take this like 10-question personality quiz at the beginning of the game to mm. determine the type of person you are, and then that's how you're placed. Because I have to believe there's some type of influence as a player that you'll have into the house that you go to there's no way that this is some procedurally generated random thing you know yeah that happens when you're placed because that's harry potter fans are very hardcore yes and so yeah the placement of your house i mean is a huge deal for people it is like i'm guessing you're going to go with gryffindor Gryffindor or Ravenclaw, because you got to get that purple action going on. Mm, Purplish, blue. I think I don't. I was either Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff. I was one of those. I took one of those Facebook "What house are you?" quizzes like ten years ago, and it sorted me. I don't know if I'm the brave, like run into danger without thinking, like Harry Potter. Mm. I don't know if I could pull off that Gryffindor lion. Slytherin. I feel like if I'm going to go dark side, I might have to do Slytherin because all the best. Dark Lords come from there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I I love all the mechanics. Some of the complaints in the chat for the Sony, which I was kind of reading, were like, there's so many mechanics, it could almost become overwhelming, which I'm never going to complain against. Like, I mean, after Monster Hunter with all the statistics and everything, I will never complain about like overcomplicated stats. Well, I was surprised. That was what kind of took me by surprise most when watching the trailer is that the combat doesn't look button mashy at all. Like it looks pretty strategic. You have to definitely understand the different types of spells, both offensive and defensive when you're, you know, in your wizarding duels, uh, which really excites me because it doesn't look like, and I'm sure there will be in the game, but it didn't look like there was any HUD. Like it didn't mm-hmm. look like when you're playing Elden Ring, you have like the the face buttons mapped to a particular spell or weapon. Everything looked crystal clear like there was nothing on the screen that's the thing that's always confused i mean i played this lego star wars and you kind of have that rolling kind of dial of picking spells but how you would do a harry potter game to pick those spells in combat because it looks like i mean it's quick switching between spells so maybe it is a rolodex kind of thing where you click triangle up is patronus yeah right is loomis or the light one 
and then whatever Expelliarmus is down triangle and you're quickly switching that might become cumbersome if they do it that way um but i mean from the combat that they showed in the trailer it looks well performed Mm -hmm. so it i'm assuming is intuitive yeah and for those that didn't catch the trailer too the other thing is you know as you might expect in an rpg like this you do get to create your own character you're placed in your house and there are you know skill trees and upgrades and stuff like that so you can not only you know wander off get lost in dungeons there's puzzle solving and all kinds of wonderful stuff there going on but you do get to go to class so you're going to go to your defense against the dark arts classes your charms classes your potions your you know whatever else uh very much like if anyone played rockstar's bully yeah you know people have been wondering if there's ever going to be a bully too for years but at this point it's like why wait for bully two when you can play this yeah and i think the class-based stuff will be better in this for me than it was in like persona like it won't it'll be the less heavy kind of storyline it'll be harry potter while going to classes which Mm -hmm. i'll like Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting how they incorporate potions and things like if it'll be similar to the witcher where you drink your potions before battle to give you buffs and stuff and if like the potions have that much of an impact on combat or if it's just like go invisible and sneak around and stab people with your wand. Well, we saw some stealth mechanics too. The other cool thing that I really like is that it's all real time. So you're not, you're not running into a person and then it stops. There's a transition scene into a battle sequence. Everything's in real time, which I really love. And I don't know, this had everything in my opinion, working against it because of the fan base being as rabid as it is. It's like star Wars. I mean, or Lord of the Rings, even if you screw up that lore, they'll be at your throats. There's people who like research this twenty four seven. Corona Link. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it's going back to an older episode. Yeah, of ours. where we got lambasted for getting something wrong. Yeah, lore wise, but yeah, no, it's it looked fantastic. I love the seasons. I love the day night cycle. I mean, from Horizon got on my nerves, but like day night, if you do it right, it'll be cool. Going to Hogsmeade, some of those more iconic places, and then fleshing out. I don't know if we. We've ever seen much around Hogwarts besides like the Weeping Willow. Um, I don't know if you'll do Quidditch. You can fly around. But yeah, if they from what we've seen, I'm 100 percent day one. Me too. Very. I was surprised with how great it looked. And the other cool thing, too, as part of the state of play, excuse me, was hearing all the developers talk about it. And they're just over the moon excited. They've been working tirelessly to bring this world to life to the fans. And it really seems like it's a complete love letter Two longtime fans of both the books and the movies. Yeah, and the concept art looked great. Oh, I, I love concept big art. Big time I mean, oblivion <laughs> landscapes. Yeah. Very colorful, very vibrant. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. And I think this will probably slip into 2023, but I they did so market it as a holiday 2022 game, which I love. I, I hate nowadays, especially if we're in, you know, the March, April time frame. And we're months away from like the, you know, October, November months. Don't lock in a November 21st date. Like, that's why I don't think Starfield's going to make it this year. Like, uh-uh. just say holiday 2022. And if it if it doesn't make that, then I feel like the uh, the disappointment is, is lessened a bit. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I just want a fully baked game. Like, it fully fleshed out. I want to not wait for pat like three patches three months down the line to like fix the game and if it kicks into 23 fuck even 24 i wouldn't care i just i i'm so excited this is like i was as hyped for elden ring 
as this Harry Potter one because yeah. they're actually doing it justice. Yeah, from what the looks of it. So pretty ex- excited about that. And then also this week, I think it was this week or last, um, we had the uh, Obi One trailer. Oh my gosh, I I have not been this excited for something related to Star Wars in a long time. Mandalorian. It was tough for me to get excited about it because it was an entirely new thing that I couldn't really anticipate or understand where they were going to go with it. Yeah. Obviously with the baby Yoda stuff, I got super excited as after that first episode Mm -hmm. and now I love it. I haven't even watched the Boba Fett stuff because Boba Fett to me is very much like Han Solo where I appreciate the mystery behind his character. I'm not really sure I need a whole thing related to him to kind of flesh him out more, but I will watch that eventually. Obi-Wan. I mean, the prequels were our childhood. Yeah. I mean, I love the prequels as much as the kind of, political stuff came into it with the senate and like let's talk about taxation for like fucking three hours (laughs) over the first three movies like a lot of it i mean it's it's iconic like i call for a vote of no confidence and like jar jar binks fucking destroying the world by voting in palpatine yeah right because it was him who like voted him in for uh amidala Mm -hmm. so like I, I mean, Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, hello, like all of the iconic things leading up and like really fleshing out the world and to get Ewan McGregor, who is my God. Oh my God. He, he's great. Dude, I mean, the just best. even listening to interviews of him talking about like motorcycling through Africa and stuff like he he's awesome. So getting him back, I'm really excited to see him on screen. You have him a little bit older now, which fits the timeline. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where they go with that. Yeah, I mean, not and not only that, we had Hayden Christensen back as Darth Vader, and at the very end of the trailer, if you listen closely, as the title screen comes up, you know, displaying the Obi Wan name, you can hear Darth Vader breathing. Yes. So yeah, and then we also, I mean, it looks like they're tying in Rebels, and they're tying in potentially the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Time. I mean, this is the same time. Um, so they got all the Inquisitors. The Grand Inquisitor's head is a little bit wider than he was in the. Uh, rebels Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm excited to see where they do go with that and maybe cross and path with uh ezra bridger and uh the dude from jedi fallen order yeah there's a a lot of tie-ins that they could do as easter eggs without making it like really in your face like having some of those ships in the background or whatnot yeah no i'm excited and i think the grand inquisitors casting is great jason isaacs so for those that aren't familiar with him he played lucius malfoy he was also captain hook and peter pan with jeremy sumter i'm sure a lot of people are big fans of that movie came out 2004 many moons ago but uh but yeah no i'm super excited when that you know duel of the fates battle of the heroes music started playing Mm. i good god i mean chills for days i'm so excited i know people are like forget the skywalker saga i want something new and I'm just like, yeah, I uh, we got that with Ryan Johnson, The Last Jedi. All right. And I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't want anything new now. I, I'm good. Uh, give me my uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm good to go. All I wanted was for them to go off of the, the craziness that went in the books after the sixth movie mm. where they get Master Luke and going after these giant like universe size issues with like people who can consume the world. So yeah the extended universe stuff it, yeah it's it's nuts it's not canon anymore but yeah no I, i'm really excited about that one mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and then i guess the last thing is you sent me a text midway through this week oh yeah the beginning of this week so yeah. if you haven't heard there's this new game called elden ring oh yeah and it's been out 
And uh, some people are playing it, uh, maybe a couple thousand or so. And Rusty sent me a text because back in, was it June or July of last year, we had the tr- like gameplay trailer. And it was like two minutes of awesomeness. And I did a 50-minute breakdown of just overkill. And the funny thing is, now that's picking up. Yeah, so Summer Games Fest last year, Jeff Keighley hosted. And you know he was hyping up. You don't want to miss it. There's going to be a trailer there that's going to blow everyone's mind. And of course, they ended Summer Games Fest with a three-minute Elden Ring trailer. And of course, Ryan like literally <laughs> passed out. I had yeah, to I did, yeah. take him to the hospital, get him revived and everything like that after watching it. Just in time for him to come back to this ridiculously hot room of mine in the game room here with the cicadas buzzing. And Ryan proceeded to spend an hour talking about and breaking down every frame of this trailer. And I was like nine after playing the game and being most the way through it. I'm like one boss to the final boss. I'm like 98% correct on like most of my predictions. And the one thing I got wrong was I'm a hundred percent sure it's going to come out in June or uh, January. Yeah. When he got kicked. But yeah. Yeah. Well, so the funny thing is I don't really pay attention to our download counts because, you know, I it's just not something that I like getting in my headspace of whether or not we put it out an episode and it gets downloaded less than another one. It's just like we love doing the show because you and I love hopping behind the mic and just talking to each other. Yeah. And much. then with the hope that someone out there is sitting down playing some Elden Ring right now. <laughs> Please. Drink, drinking their coffee and finding this this show entertaining. Well, anyways... I saw a huge spike in our download counts and I was like, that's weird. We haven't put out an episode in two weeks. What's yeah. going on there? And I looked at our, some of our most recent episodes and they, they increase, but just, you know, incrementally in a way that I would expect them to as more people get yeah. caught up with the show. So I started kind of tabbing back and tabbing back and figuring out like what episode is causing such a significant spike. And it was that episode that we recorded in the heat of the summer with the cicadas buzzing you breaking down Elden Ring and all of the lore within. And I titled the episode, The Lore of the Elden Ring, which was meant to be, people don't know how much time, like I spend more time thinking about what I'm going to title an episode than I do actually editing the episode itself. Because for me, it's one of the most things. It's literally like putting the cherry on a cake that you spend hours baking. Yeah. Titling the episode is probably the thing I take the most pride in with the show. <laughs> and it was supposed to be a parody off of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. And somehow people are just trying to eat up everything that comes and relates to Elden Ring. And so if you go to Spotify and you type in Elden Ring. We were like, we got up to number two, like most searched if you searched Elden Ring with a space. Yeah. And I'm like, I quit my job. Like, I'm like, fuck, I'm Joe Rogan now. Like, we signed a $200 million deal with Spotify. <laughs> it was, I was just like, that's that's really funny. I, yeah. My life is complete. I can die happy. Seriously. Two. Yeah, so it was just a funny thing earlier in the week. And if you haven't listened to that episode, and even if you have, and you've forgotten what Ryan talked about, especially for those that are really deep into Elden Ring at this point, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it just to see how much of what Ryan dissected in that trailer has actually come true. Um, Because to your credit, I mean, it sounds like it's pretty spot on. I was really surprised in the, like, guessing the arts. Um, Because Sekiro had some of those war arts, or Ashes of War is what they're called. But um, I was surprised I actually guessed that. But yeah, Elden Ring's great. 
and uh, we'll talk about that in our games played. Absolutely. Well, let's. We've talked a lot about our weeks. We've talked about, of course, the Obi One trailer. We've talked about, you know, Hogwarts Legacy and all that good stuff. So, let's get into what we're considering the main topic of this show: just the games that we have been playing recently, and then maybe in a future week uh, or future episode, we'll get back into some of our regular segments. Ryan, what do you say? Sounds like a plan. playing a number of different games between the both of us but let's kind of circle back to a game we talked about last episode and a game that we've both rolled credits on at this point yes and that's horizon forbidden west the sequel to gorillas open world game starring aloy we'll go back to you because you've played a little bit more after the credits so have your thoughts changed much from what you said last episode yeah so I didn't want to steamroll Elden Ring because going, I mean, similar to, I think, your complaint to going into Horizon was you went like three back-to-back open worlds. And I didn't want to kind of overwhelm myself with just straight Elden Ring um, after Horizon. So I'm trying to just trophy hunt, really just kind of more story-based and knock that out slowly. Um, so I went back to Horizon maybe... 50 uh maybe 30 hours into elden ring knocked out a few trophies up to 70 percent, so i'm happy but there's some mechanics that are really pissing me off i think the day night cycle is fine in games um elden ring does it where you can change the time of day at any bonfire which is nice if you want to have a dark out or light out but horizon you have to go to specific houses and to, to change the day night yeah to mean. change yeah. instead of at every bonfire and to teleport you have to pay 25 coins which end game i have like twelve thousand coins or shards of glass but it's just the idea of having to pay for those and then having to travel around the map to just get uh be able to see what i'm doing uh, it just started pissing me off. Um, so I, I think my overall impressions, and I'm, I'll probably go back to like Demon Souls or something instead of Horizon so I don't screw up my review of Horizon. But I think it's like mid 80s to mm-hmm. nine, low 90s. Um, Which is still really high praise. Yeah, no, it's it's still a great game. I love it. But I think coming into coming out of Elden Ring where they have those mechanics kind of refined, um, it started to piss me off. And then it did make me laugh. I think I sent you a picture of all of the stuff on the screen. <laughs> Just oh, yeah. like there's I the joke on Twitter was that one picture of Elden Ring with like Ubisoft style stuff. Like yeah, like point, if, if Elden Ring was developed by Ubisoft. Yeah, and then I it, yeah, it's pretty accurate. And then when you play Horizon, it's like, damn, this is like it, an Ubisoft it, I was game. I didn't notice it because I'm so used to it yeah. at this point. Yeah. But like shit. It, it's actually there. Like 
access and not horizon but like access the store you completed this quest go to this place to it's like oh god Elden Ring told me nothing and I loved it. <laughs> when I think that's the, that's to Horizon Forbidden West detriment in a similar way when Breath of the Wild came out and back in 2017 and Zero Dawn shortly before or shortly after I can't really remember what it was or just before or shortly after and Forbidden uh gosh I'm fumbling over my words today but Breath of the Wild very much didn't tell you anything in a similar way that Elden Ring didn't. Yeah. And, you know, Zero Dawn and both Forbidden West, I think, coming out so close to these very different types of games. I mean, it's night and day, the structurally how the game in an open world feeling is like. Yeah. Uh, in terms of handholding and, and whatever else. So, like, I think that's just to Forbidden West detriment. I rolled credits and... You know, the, I talked about all the mechanics and the quality of life stuff that really frustrated me on the last episode. I won't go into any more of that. I, I did feel like, though, yes, the story goes into more of a sci-fi direction, which I appreciated. I thought it was um, it was going in some really fun and interesting and exciting directions um, as I was getting into some of those later quest lines. But there were certain characters where I predicted their outcomes like literally within three, the first three to five hours of the game. And yep. then I didn't get that payoff until 30 hours into the game. So I was anticipating it the entire time, again, avoiding spoilers here. And then when it happened, the emotional payoff just wasn't there for me. Yeah. And then it also being isolated two years or so, or three years from the original horizon, some of those, I mean, you grow your relationships with characters throughout this game, but knowing where you came from, unless you watch like full recaps of these characters, it, it's kind of, hard to connect as much as you'd think or they wanted you to connect yeah and then the very end of the game i just it was underwhelming for me i just there wasn't any kind of significant payoff there where i was like my goodness i'm so glad that i spent the past 25 to 30 uh, hours with aloy and the supporting cast of characters to get here yeah i feel like around the 15 to 20 hour mark i could have easily predicted the events that took place in the final hours it just yeah it, it really didn't amount to anything for me where i was like wow this is game of the year material because i expect from a, a game like horizon and its story to have more of a payoff than something like elden ring like i'm not really going to elden ring for uh, an emotional story that at the end of the day i'm thinking about around the game of the year talk when yeah, Game of the Year all. comes around, I'm going to be thinking about Elden Ring and all of the ridiculous environments and grotesque monsters that I defeated, intense boss battles, because that's what I get from that type of experience. Yeah. Horizon Forbidden West, I was looking for us to, for Aloy to grow in meaningful ways in supporting cast of characters that I'd care more about than I did in the first game and, and new characters that I cared a lot more about in this second game. And I just felt like some of that was there. You know, I'm not completely tanking on the game and saying it was trash because I think it is a, a good game, but I, I I wouldn't say this is like a 10 out of 10 type of experience for me. I was left wanting a little bit more. Yeah, I think if you look at it without comparing it to the other games around it, um, it would be probably 90 or, or like mid to low 90s. Um, but when you start comparing it to some of those other games and its approach and somewhat predictability... It definitely lowers the score. It'd be really interesting if we had a drought of game releases in like the June, July, August timeframe and it came out then because then it would have it would be super isolated to that time where that would be the only game people were talking about and playing 
Whereas right now, Elden Ring is the only thing, and I think not just my opinions, but I think others' opinions, it's been very difficult to balance time between both games because Elden Ring just does so much of that stuff so much better from an open world design standpoint. Yeah, I, I think maybe Horizon, the second Elden Ring kicked back their date from January to February within like a week. I don't know how you sell that marketing wise or like PR wise, but like, hey, guys, we're kicking back Elden Ring or hey, we're pulling it up a week or two just so that they could have had a better window. Yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate they kind of got screwed, but I don't know. It is funny watching some of the developer shit on Elden Ring. Like one of the developers for like, like I think it was a story or some side quest stuff were shitting on the UI in Elden Ring on Twitter. Oh, oh yeah. And but yeah, I mean overall it's a it's a fun game. We'll see if they I guess freshen it up or make some twists and turns that we couldn't predict in potentially a third one well and and, you know the other thing too is i have a ton of side quests and collectibles and extra stuff to do in forbidden west for the most part i kind of beeline the story so you never know if i would have had a similar you know concluding thoughts to ghost of tsushima if i kind of forced myself through it back in 2020 yeah and then returned to it later in the year and did all the extra stuff and it became my game of the year who knows i there's no way that I'm going to return to Forbidden West in a couple months and it's going to jump right up to game of the year material for me. Uh-huh. I don't think, but I think my impressions and thoughts about it could improve uh, once I kind of come to it with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, I mean, the combat's still great. Um, there is a shit ton of side stuff to do, like an overwhelming amount of stuff. Um, it is nice that they don't force you to do like 100% of every specific thing. Yes. So like I made the mistake of not looking at my quests but like I was clearing out all the rebels on the map and maybe after like six or seven, a quest pops up to like complete everything and like get that trophy. I didn't realize that was in my quest log because I've been playing Elden Ring where there is not like no handholding. I didn't mm-hmm. realize a quest would actually show up. And um, yeah, I could have completed that trophy maybe three hours before I <laughs> actually started that's Um, why for a game like that it's it's important to especially if you're planning on going for the platinum to look at the trophy list because otherwise you might run around the map collect all 12 of those um those drones in the sky yeah and then you find out oh i only need to collect one of those (laughs) yeah like some of those house puzzle things you only had to do three and there's like seven around the map yeah um it's nice that it's more forgiving than the first game i think the first game for that platinum i think that was my first platinum ever you had to do everything. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It definitely immerses you, but in such a big world, doing everything is overwhelming. It's daunting, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so that's that's really all I have to say about Forbidden West. It's a really good game, and I think um, a decent follow-up to Gorilla's first effort with Zero Dawn and building out a new IP. Especially, I, I can't commend the team enough coming away from something like Killzone and then building out... Uh, you know, this lore and this world and, and a wonderful cast of characters and a great protagonist in Aloy. I love her so much. Um, and I, I just, at this point, I think I'd like them to put Horizon on the back burner until PlayStation 6 and maybe they have another game between then and now on PlayStation yeah, 5. Yeah, I, I think it would be overstaying its welcome if they go past three. Yes. Like if, if they call a duty this and throw one out every year, or even uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed style. Um, yeah, I think you need to 
I mean, they it's a great shift in IP, like night and day, like you said, from Killzone, if they can throw out another crazy idea after the third one kind of wraps up Aloy and her adventures. Um, and we don't need anything stupid like a prequel of like the original world or like the no. old ones. Let's live out your day in a city. Like, I, I think going to a new IP after this would be a good move. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ryan, we talked a lot about Elden Ring uh, kind of in a roundabout way. I'm curious how your thoughts, I, have, I assume, have only improved upon the last episode, where you're at in the game, how's the Platinum Trophy going, where are you at with Elden Ring right now? Yeah, so the Platinum Trophies, actually, I mean, I haven't looked at the collect every legendary spell type stuff, which might be a bitch, but most of the trophies are go here and kill this boss, mm-hmm. which I really like as kind of trophy, as trophies go. Uh, most of them are main bosses, and then there's some, like, mini bosses, and for filling out the world, I mean, the world is massive. There's mm-hmm. six different biomes. Um, the world, I mean, I rode around for eight hours and discovered three zones before even touching a boss when I first played. So it, it's it's massive. Um, as far as their approach to, like, mini-bosses go, they really take the same approach as Sekiro. And Sekiro was, hey, we have these maybe six or seven like mini bosses that you'll find in the first area. Mm-hmm. And as you go out into new areas, these will have those same mini bosses, but in harder variants. They get new move sets, they do a shit ton more damage, have more health, um, and it's tied to the environment of those worlds. So say you're in an ice or a magical place, they get those type of moves because that's they're a product of their region. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> So, like, there's a rotted area. In that place, you'll find, like, rotted dragons opposed to, like, a normal dragon in, like, a grasslands. So, I really like that approach. Um, I could see people complaining about that being repetitive. I, I get the criticism. But they're not, like, the main, main bosses. Um, no. it, you can have an open world that feels really empty unless you have some of those encounters. I think there's nine main bosses not all of them are required but i think there's like nine plus main bosses and there's like 83 bosses in total scattered throughout the world so there's a lot to do um the caves and everything you can find i mean there's there's so much it's just almost overwhelming on how much you can do well just on the boss front side of things so i know a lot of people have talked about and as i'll probably get into with demon souls here the barrier to entry with souls games is oftentimes that first boss is super punishing and then after that i'm not going to say you can steamroll the game in earlier souls games but it's less intense than that first boss is elden ring is in a similar way or are you still getting absolutely fucked on some of these bosses uh end game you get fucked okay. um you it's you need to learn the moves. Like if you're trying to like power through, I know you can cheese it. They did a lot. There's an update that came out, I think Thursday or Friday that did a lot of balancing. The speed run was at sub 29. So it was like 28, I think like 19 from distortion Two. that's insane. Yeah. And the, the main approach to that was it's, it was called horror frost stomp. And there's basically like an ice ax that you stomp on the ground and it makes kind of a triangle projection out of ice that explodes and does a ton of damage. Um, and there's one end game like duo boss that people were complaining about that it's like a huge spike in difficulty. And he went in there with that uh, mechanic and steamrolled it at like level 35. Wow. 
um, where you usually get there around like 120, 130, depending on how much you do. So they did a lot of balancing stuff. There was a an insta-kill mechanic that was pissing people off that was unintended. Um, but as far as like barrier to entry go, I know one of the complaints are a lot of people were like, hey, you run up to this castle, which was shown in the like the trailer, and you fight Margit, which is the dude who kind of jumps down. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like, he's so difficult. But he's also the boss in front of one of the main bosses in the game. There's plenty of things to explore. And what that boss is supposed to teach you is, hey, if you're not ready to fight this, run around the map, go explore, level up, find new weapons, and come back when you're ready or come back at a different time. Like, I mean, you can get, you can explore four areas before you get stopped by a boss. Wow. Which is most of the game. Um, which is so unlike for those that are not familiar with the soul series is completely uncharacteristic of those games. Yeah. I mean, they're very linear, uh, except for dark souls one where you can go like two different routes or three different routes, but yeah, it, it's crazy. So like I'm going after the ending that devil may cry just got. Mm. So I made a separate character last <laughs> night. Devil may pie. Oh our, yeah. yeah, yeah. Devil friend. may pie. Yeah. DMP. And, uh, so I made a different character. I'm like, all right, let's see if I can, how far I can explore, how quick I can get leveled up. Um, and I was able to get my weapons out of 25 upgrades on smithing stones to level 12. And like right off the bat, get instantly 25 levels after killing a dragon. And I went into Margit with no problem. Wow. Like a couple hours in. But if you run there with like a level one weapon, you're going to get steamrolled. Yeah, right? screwed. Unless... Unless you're like Lobos Jr., who went is doing a level one run throughout the entire game. I is that your best friend? Is that your cousin? Uh, Lobos Jr. is a streamer who like does challenge runs. Oh, okay. Um, he he did like he's famous mostly for Dark Souls one speed runs or challenge runs with like a spoon or level one or no hits and that kind of stuff. Okay, okay. Um, but right now he usually does like one playthrough and then he does a level one run next to just learn mechanics. He killed that uh what was it melania the the long sword statue guy mm-hmm. girl um at level one dang i'm like i haven't beaten her at level 120 <laughs> but you know i'm really enjoying it um as far as it, it's just a great game so you were texting me earlier in the week that and again it's difficult with the whole recency bias type of thing going on here but you were saying that this is potentially like top five top three games of all time for you yeah um as far as open world games i think this is the best iteration we've seen so far okay um i might have a bias or a simping for FromSoft because i absolutely love all their games but the verticality the amount of exploration how full the worlds are like there's so many areas that the game doesn't not requires you to go but are optional like missable mm-hmm. like there's an entire region that is extremely missable all the underground stuff is not required like there's so much that they don't even give a shit i mean the the whole point of an open world is you go back multiple times different builds and explore but like most of this game you don't have to play which is crazy Mm -hmm. but like i was playing this morning a little bit and just looking out over the landscape and kind of that skyrim effect where uh todd howard was like you can go anywhere do anything 
jump up every mountain with every horse. Um, it's it's the same approach. And like looking at something as tall as the Greybeard's Mountain times two, and you're like, oh shit, how the hell am I going to get up there? And you just meander your way up there somehow. It, it's an amazing open world. Mm. Um, I still think greatest of all time for me just boss wise the time i played it the interactions with friends is still going to be monster hunter world Mm -hmm. but as far as open world games go comparing to like skyrim's oblivion breath of the wild um horizons i think this is probably my favorite open world wow high praise high praise for sure um definitely worth playing i if if you're burnt out, I know you're still itching for Dark Souls something or some FromSoft. I got something scratching the itch that we'll get to here. Don't worry about it. Another platformer. No. <laughs> no, surprisingly not. Yeah. No, it's – I think if you're not in the mood for it, don't play it. You you want to go into this with an itch for that type of game. Yeah. Because it'll live up to your expectations. I think it was – it reached the top five most concurrent players on the Steam charts. Well, I think it was I, just behind Babylon's <coughs> Fall. I think it was second to Babylon's Fall. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after Ukulele and then Oblivion. But no, it's it got up to like 950,000 players on Steam at That's one insane. time. insane. I mean – Which is nuts. If eight years ago, that would have been <coughs> unprecedented. Like that never would have happened because Dark Souls – one and Dark Souls 2 was still a very specific niche audience. And then Dark Souls 3. For like Demon Souls, Sony expected it to flop. Well, I mean, it was originally published by Atlas, not Namco Bandai, by the way. Oh. So that was yeah. something that happened down the line. I don't know when those, when that deal happened or they passed the baton over to them. But yeah, in terms of just the number of players um, concurrently, for Elden Ring is just such a monumental success for that team. And I think, you know, after Bloodborne, that's when things started to get a little bit more mainstream. Yeah. You know, the following behind those games was just, it was insane, you know? But even Dark Souls 3, I think, only got up to like 90K. So like Elden Ring was 10 times the most concurrent players online at one time. And it sold 12 million copies already. Which is nuts. Like, you expect that from like a accessible game like a game that's not known for like bending you over horizon spider-man like you know all those games gta call of duty like you expect that to sell like hotcakes all the time but for an elden ring a a FromSoft game to sell that many copies that quickly it's mind-boggling yeah such a success for that team and there's such an active community around it right now they're like talking about balancing they're talking like i've been watching chase the bro who's one of the main like pvp guys in the community Man, i really he- fucked it up calling myself ari lewis 2011 chase the bro <laughs> yeah his name's chase and he is a bro but no he he's a really chill dude who's been doing i think like every other day doing a youtube stream of him just trying out builds um they fixed arcane scaling in that most 1.03 patch mm-hmm. um so he had a stream i think last night going through um, that type of weapon, and then he puts out a video saying, "Hey, here's what I found good or bad about this type of build." So, mm, okay, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of content if you want to consume Elden Ring stuff. Um, definitely, I, I just it's such a good community. I think Dark Souls Three community. There's still people playing that game PvP wise six years later. Well, I've been I've been thinking about going back and starting a new character on Bloodborne or Dark Souls Three, but I'm still holding out for that Blue Point 
remake of Bloodborne. So. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. 50 or 60 FPS. I mean, they don't even have to remake it. They could literally just boost the frames yeah. and like, let's get that 60 frames. I per think second they unlocked it on PC, but not on PlayStation. But yeah. 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 Definitely a great game. It seems like a lot of people in our discord are playing it. Oh my gosh. Discord has been popping off recently about Elden Ring. It's insane, but uh, you love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. So uh, go out and watch uh, definitely pies build video. It's a fun build. Walk me through that. What did he do? <laughs> He was like a sorcerer slash magic. He was using like a moon veil and dark moonlight uh, greatsword. So it's like <laughs> the, the look that you're giving me is just fucking glossed you over. You literally just rambled so okay, much so nonsense. Moon veil katana is a magic uh, scaling slash has magical moves like R2, R1. You're, you're still like glazing over. No, it, it's a magical katana. In yeah. the most simple terms, it scales off of magic, and then what he's able to do spells as well, because mm. he also has to increase intelligence, which is your magic stat. And then, <laughs> dude, it's so funny, like, I can't look at you when you just, like, this is the this is the first me talking about Elden Ring video all over again. DMP though. is a ninja. <laughs> like, <laughs> he played the game, he played it in a fun way, watch his video. <laughs> Uh, no, I just can't help myself. I, can't I know. Help myself. I, when I start talking like game statistics and things, you just hey, you want to quit the podcast. I'm, I'm so glad you're having fun, dude. I really I'm having am. Fun. And I yes. can't help but, you know, give you a hard time every once in a while. No, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as lore goes, it's a, it's a really long game. There's so much to unpack and I don't want to spoil anyone's first playthrough. So we'll give it a few more episodes before I take a deep dive. Um, because some of those storylines, there's uh, there's one that's amazing. So we'll, and the we'll plan for that episode is to get some type of hot machine box to make this room super steamy, <laughs> and then I could just go on a rant. I'll put a cicada sound effect in the background. I'll press record and walk out of the room, and I'll come back in a couple hours, check on you how you're doing, and you'll probably still be talking. Yeah, I'll, for sure. I'll be talking to myself. I'll answer myself. Yeah. D- did you like the game, Rusty? Oh yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> That's, that, that's what you sound like is it? <laughs> in my head. <laughs> Every time I read your text, that's how you sound. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a little unfortunate. Yeah. Um, not to put some extra filters on my voice to make it uh, a little deeper. A little deeper. But speaking of deeper, Ryan. We really, I mean, the only voice that you hear of Rusty is all edited in post. I mean, like even his YouTube videos he, you started putting out again. It's all, I mean, your voice is pretty high up there until you, you lower it. <laughs> is it though? <laughs> no. this. This is a conspiracy, but Rusty doesn't sound like Rusty. Now I'm self-conscious. <laughs> Speaking of self-conscious. <laughs> yes. Demon Souls. Yes. So as we were talking about Elden Ring, wasn't really my type of game at this particular moment because I'm coming off a crazy laundry list of open world games that I pumped significant amount of hours into. Assassin's Creed Valhalla, got the platinum in Assassin's Creed Origins, I could not go right into Elden Ring and pump 100 plus hours. And so I didn't want to ruin the experience. I put it on the back burner, but I was still hungry for that painful Souls-like <laughs> experience. Yeah. And back when I got the PS5, I went crazy on launch day and I got Demon Souls remake and a number of other games, but I never got around to playing Demon Souls because that was still around the time where I was thinking about maybe going back to Twitch mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I figured, oh, this would be a perfect game for me to stream. And Astro's Playroom really overshadowed it for you. 
Oh, for sure. And I played, you know, Sackboy Big Adventure yep. and um, some of those other games at launch. And so put it on the back burner, never got around to playing it until recently where I said, let's do it. It's time to play Demon Souls. Yeah. And so I went back and got a taste of FromSoft's humble beginnings back on the PS3. Of course, this is the Blue Point remake for PS5 that I played. And my goodness, what a gorgeous game. Thankfully, Ryan told me to <laughs> not put it down because after about five or so hours, I got to an area where I was like, man, I'm getting royally screwed over here. I don't know where to go because the biggest thing I would say frustrating learning curve of Demon Souls is how obtuse the game is. And so mm -hmm. basically you have a hub area called the Nexus for people that have never played the game. And then you have these things called Archstones and there's about, I think, five of them. And you can mm -hmm. go to any of those Archstones at any given time and kind of kickstart the storyline, if you will, for each of those Archstones. And you can bounce back to the Nexus at any time. And so if you're in one area and you're getting royally fucked, you can go to a different archstone and say, let's try my luck here. Yeah. And so I was kind of balancing around to some of these archstones and it got to a point where I'm like, Ryan, I don't know where to go. I'm fat rolling. Like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know what to do. You next. didn't even realize you're a fat rolling. <laughs> you, I was, you, like we had you take your pants off and you're like, wow, I'm, I'm rolling way quicker. And you're like, I've been doing this for like three hours. Just yeah. So we sat down, I think we got on a call, and two hours later, you were ready to take on the rest of the game, pretty much. Pretty much. So for those that have played uh, Demon yeah. Souls before, uh, it's like Storm of the Seasons or Season of the Storms. Yeah, the skeleton place, uh, second archstone to the right. Yeah, exactly. Ryan will draw you a map if you want one. <laughs> yeah, I can. We'll send you a little picture over Discord. But anyways, so I went there, and um, just beyond the skeletons, you go down to this little dungeon-like area, and there's this Grim Reaper-like person that if you get a bone an arrow you spawn at the um the sword it's basically the equivalent <laughs> the of a bonfire, bonfire. Yeah. you go down you snipe him two or three times and then you get a <clears throat> tremendous amount of souls because when the grim reaper guy dies all of these ghost-like creatures around him die and you get like five thousand souls yeah so i think you're using one you're fat rolling and we got you a new shield which made you fat roll even more so you took your pants off and became the pantsless knight. That's right. Uh, and then you switched to the falchion, which anyone who's played Demon Souls knows that it's super overpowered. It's like a pirate sword. Yeah. And it's like it scales with magic. So you do a crap ton of damage early game. Um, and then, yeah, we had you beat that first boss. We uh, did like some speed run strats to get to that boss. And then after that, the Grim Reaper dude gives a shit ton of souls and it also drops the stones to upgrade the falchion. So That's right. After a couple hours of grinding, listening to Pete, you were ready to go in. I literally, so after grinding for several hours, watching some Pete Door streams, listening to some good podcasts, catching up on all the good stuff, I was ready to basically take on the rest of this game. And this is why I asked you the question earlier about Elden Ring, where, you know, after you beat, is it Margaret or whatever? Margaret. Margaret. Yeah. Can you steamroll the rest of the game? And you obviously said no, and a number of other people are still getting screwed over on the later game bosses. I basically never died after that initial <laughs> grinding yeah. sesh uh, with that Grim Reaper character. Literally, I, I, I beat 
the the armored spider without dying after that. I beat uh, the dragon god without dying. I beat the gargoyles without yeah. dying. I beat that giant gold golem-like guy. Yeah, he was a pain. Without dying, the flame lurker I beat on my first try. I was surprised by that. The flame lurker gave me some trouble. Yeah, I mean... I kind of cheesed it because <laughs> I leveled up. A I've tr- also leveled 600 yeah. with 99 every stat. <laughs> I, I definitely cheesed it by overleveling myself significantly. Um, but I, I definitely got the taste for why this game was such a cult classic and took off the way it did. Um, I, I was royally frustrated with how obtuse some of the level designs were. Um, two areas in particular that I wrote down were uh, Swamp of the Storms. Absolute mm. trash. Yeah. That's where you get the Moonlight Greatsword. Oh, that one's the, so bad. Yeah. I I had the least fun there, but it had the weapon that I wanted to use the most, so I had to suffer. Which, here's the crazy thing. Was the Moonlight Greatsword there in the original game? Yes. You didn't? Okay. Yeah. I think everything is the same as the original game, except it just looks pretty. So here's what's fascinating to me about level design and just the Souls games in general and how so much stuff is hidden that you would never otherwise find or discover if you don't go out of your way. But the Moonlight Greatsword, as the name would imply, it's think Cloud's giant-ass buster blade, but literally has a blue tint to it, and it's glowing. Like, it's so freaking cool, all Mm -hmm. right? So down in this nasty-ass swamp where you (laughs) literally, if you're not using a freaking certain ring that helps you to walk through the swamp, you're slowly trudging your way through... You have to navigate around this one area that is off the beaten path, so you wouldn't discover it if you didn't find it um, or didn't like follow a guide. It's like or... the opposite direction of where you need to go. Like Thank you need you. to go right towards the boss, and it's left out and more at, like swamp. Yeah, and so you navigate up this um, terrain, and there's this nasty nest of slugs yes. that you have to knock off and then go back down and kill like a hundred slugs that are on this little island thing. Mm-hmm. And the blade is literally stuck in the ground and you pull it yeah. out like your King Arthur pulling out Excalibur out of the stone. Yeah, I, I would have never found that. But I can mean, you imagine the satisfaction back in 2008 or 2009, just fumbling around, you wander up to this place, you see this nasty slug thing, you knock it down. And then you see, you just think logically, well, now I got to go down and defeat that just yeah. to see what happens, see how many souls I get. You're sitting there whacking all these slugs and you see this blue glowing orb coming out of the ground. What the hell is that? And eventually you get, you clear all of the slugs and you pull it out of the ground. Like the satisfaction of discovering that would have been otherworldly. Yeah. And that, that was the cool thing going into Elden Ring blind with no one else playing it. Cause this is my, that was my first interaction of playing and like a FromSoft game at the same time everyone else is Mm -hmm. so like you get that same sense of exploration like yeah in Elden Ring the joy of discovery it's it's great I I love the Moonlight Greatsword I mean obviously it's the sword I'm holding in our logo for this podcast yeah and Demon Souls would have been I think the second game that the Moonlight Greatsword uh, would have been in but there's there's one before that. It's kind of like a it almost looks like that maze screensaver on like Windows 95 oh, type game. Interesting. I forget the name of it, but yeah, they made one other game before this. I'll look at what it is. I think it's like Echo Ring or it's like uh something else it's like Ring. Night Sword or something like that. It's 
We'll I'll look it up. Okay, okay, good stuff. But um, outside of that, another area that frustrated me, uh, frustrated me to no end was Prison of Hope. Oh, is that the one with the magic key people? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Where you had to find all of the keys in the wall, unlock certain gates, and eventually make your way to um, the fool's errand boss or something like that. Um, so yeah, definitely pretty obtuse, pretty frustrating in certain areas, um, but fun nonetheless, just kind of navigating and trying to find your way. It's Kingsfield was the first game that it appeared in. Oh, which okay. is like a pre Demon Souls, and then Demon Souls was like the first game that followed the formula that they continued. Good stuff. And so um, I'll kind of rattle off some of my favorite bosses, and uh, one being Dragon God. Yeah, that was a really cool fight. It's very simple. So the kind of the setup of it is you really just have to fire these two catapult arrows. Yeah. At it, and then it falls down, and then it you basically just have to go whack it and avoid demon breath. <laughs> you well, you got all the way to the end, and I was like. No, wait, die. There's a trophy. <laughs> and you're like, really? Do I have to? And yeah, it's one of the trophies I don't have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, all of that to say Demon Souls was uh, just a really rewarding and fun, satisfying experience as you'd come to expect from the Souls series. Um, a lot of trophies that I missed, unfortunately, that I'd have mm-hmm. to go back and, and replay through you basically have to play this game like two or three times to get the platinum, which is not yeah. something I'm about doing, but uh, maybe down the line I'll, I'll do that and uh, pop the platinum on this because it would be worth it. And certainly uh, a highlight on my platinum trophy list. Yeah. I'm really glad you went back or stuck with it. Um, it it's a great game. It's definitely shows off the power of the PS five. I mean, graphically blue point they're they're crushing it. Mm-hmm. Um, Shadow of the Colossus. Now this Hopefully Bloodborne or Bloodborne 2. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you uh, played the origins of the series. Me too. And it definitely scratched the itch for the Dark Souls-like experience, but not to the degree, Ryan, I, I wanted more. I was left wanting more <laughs> Souls, and because I've already played Dark Souls 1 through 3, Bloodborne, I'm never going back to Sekiro, I, I, I still wanted to get the Souls-like experience, so I started doing some research and some eBaying to figure out are there other kind of games that um, are a a shade of polish below Dark Souls, but still playable and fun. And somehow I stumbled across a game called Bound by Flame. Hmm. I'm not, if I had to guess, (laughs) very few of our listeners have either heard of this game. I doubt it. Anyone listening to this podcast has played this game. I was going to say, it definitely has the naming conventions of like a Souls-like game. When it was developed by um, Spiders, which they more recently came out with a game called Greedfall. Oh, Where there's those three yeah. prot- protagonists. So this was kind of the game before that. Oh, okay. And this is definitely a game of the 2007 through like 2012 era of like ps3 360 jank so like for every skyrim and dragon age we got like a sacred 2 kingdoms of amalore reckoning yeah, type of yeah. game you know this is definitely not gonna hold a candle to the skyrims or dark souls of the world third person action rpg you get to create your character in the beginning of the game limited customizable options i was surprised an action rpg where you get to create your character there's like four different hairstyles you can choose from whereas like <laughs> You know, Skyrims and Dark Souls of the world. Yeah. You have like 30, 50 different. Uh, I guess I'm this now Yeah, <laughs> for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not going to, you know, try and convince people to get this game in, in any way. It's a great game to download, play for a weekend. The saving grace of something like this is that it's it takes about 8 to 12 hours to beat. Oh, okay. That's so short. the barrier to entry here is not very significant in terms of the amount of time it's going to take to beat it. Um, and the other thing I'll mention, too, is that there's a crazy sale going on right now uh, on PSN, and it's a $1.99. Oh, yeah, you can't beat that price. This game is literally $2. The game, I would say, shines in its combat, experimenting with different, like, melee ranged weapons, progressing your character skills, like your traditional third-person action RPG. I would liken it very much to Dragon Age 1, Dragon Age 2, Inquisition, where you do have party members that you can kind of command to do different things. You have your normal suite of weapons you would expect in an action rpg like your swords axes warhammers melee or uh, range stuff you have your your crossbows your bow and arrows you can use magic spells and stuff like that um the writing is absolutely atrocious like it's but (laughs) but in a way that it actually adds to the experience in a positive way to where they're trying to be serious in some of these cutscene dialogue sequences and i'm it's like some of the most dramatic like elements Code of Vane, the story, right? and I'm I'm laughing out loud. Wasn't it like Code Vein where they're like, "We got to get the blood crystals. If you don't get the blood crystals, the blood crystals won't be ours." Kind <laughs> of it's like, what the fuck are we even talking about? Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's very much like that, and, and so much so that I I pulled up the basically Wikipedia summary of the the story. Okay, so this will give you a taste of what you can expect with Bound by Flame, the dollar ninety nine game. No one's playing, but everyone should be. Bound by Flame is the story of a mercenary named Vulcan. Vulcan. You can give him or her whatever name you want, but everyone's still gonna call you <laughs> Vulcan in the game. <laughs> Nice. So I called myself Rusty because I was like, oh, why not? You know, um, Vulcan's my nickname after Ari Lewis. <laughs> in all of the, the cutscenes, they still refer to you as a Vulcan. I'm like, what was the point? Is it of- voice acted then? I'm assuming. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, everything's voice acted. So backing up here. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're this person named Vulcan who is accidentally tasked with saving the world from a band of <laughs> band of super evil ice lords, ancient necromancers <laughs> who lust for power threatens to destroy the very world i like that you're accidentally <laughs> just that adjective like oh guess we have to save the world now shit i, I thought i was gonna like rescue a maiden nope the world yeah <laughs> surprise yeah um 30 extra coins exactly so it's it's a fun you know kind of action rpg i can't sell it any more than i have i would encourage anyone <laughs> listening if you're looking for a uh, far lesser polished action RPG to your Kingdoms of Amalur, Dark Souls, uh, certainly Elden Ring uh, of the world. Check out Bound by Flame. Like I said, it's literally $2 on PSN right now. For that, I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, for $2, yeah, I'll definitely have to pick up the jank fest. <laughs> well, the other one I would actually encourage people to play that I really enjoyed last year um, it's a, you're gonna pay a premium price. This is on sale for two ninety nine, dude. Breaking the bank <laughs> right now on PSN, and that's Arcania: The Complete Tale. Okay, this is an offshoot of an old school PC RPG series called Risen. Okay, and I, I think that and I think that is actually an offshoot of the Gothic series, which is an old school late nineties, early two thousands 
action RPG series. Okay. So a lot of nuance there, but Arc- Arcania, the complete tale, it's on sale, two ninety nine, and that I think is just a couple shades below like your Dragon Age storytelling, voice acting, it's still trash, but I think atmosphere, soundtrack, the actual gameplay, skill tree, and leveling up your character is satisfying. It's fun. I I completed it last year in about fifteen to twenty hours. It's another you know kind of like. I think people overuse the term jank nowadays, but it is a jank action RPG that I would comfortably recommend to people if you've already exhausted your list of action RPGs with your fables, Elder Scrolls, Dragon Age type of games nowadays. Yeah. What's your most jank game? Because you play some really off the uh, beaten path games. Oh my gosh. What was the name of that game that Pete titled in his twitch stream as is it the one with all the animals that you like run around is that one no that's life of black tiger there's a game um that i got the platinum trophy in and he titled on his twitch stream as being like the beta for elder scrolls (laughs) six and it was called like something shadowlands oh is it the girl within the hallways like shooting stuff is it that one (laughs) no that's that's another one That would be um, lady, lady with a leotard and a gun or something like that. <laughs> it's, yeah, that's pretty jank. <laughs> There's also Lizard Lady versus the Cats, which is also... That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. Lizard Lady. Yeah, Lizard Lady versus the Cats. But um, <laughs> I can't remember the name of that game. Um, that's very Elder Scrolls-like. It's something in the Shadowlands or something like that. Okay. but Yeah, I don't play too much jank. I need to, though, <laughs> it sounds like. If you want some easy trophies, Lizard Lady versus the Cats. Mm. <laughs> Top seller on Steam. <laughs> or Lady in a Leotard with a gun. That's I can also comfortably recommend that one to people. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the plot's going to be. It's like, it's right. Every The entire plot is there in the title. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Pretty much. Um, last game I'll mention that I've been playing this week, uh, actually as of last night, uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago we got a Nintendo Direct, which you and I didn't really have an opportunity to talk about at significant length, but they announced a lot of really cool things in that Nintendo Direct, including Xenoblade Chronicles 3, Yes, which yeah. I'm super pumped about coming later this fall. The other thing that really surprised people uh, there were rumors coming into that Nintendo Direct that we'd be getting a Mario Kart 9 announcement. And I think we got the next best thing where for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on Switch, we're getting DLC with 48 tracks. 48 tracks. Let me it's remind people that, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chronos Correction Corner here. I think the base game had 48 tracks. So we've basically doubled that. And the price of admission is $25. I think that's a really good deal. Um, I don't know what new mechanics they would even add to the next Mario Kart if they were to do a 9. I I think this is a way better, uh, I guess, choice to double the map supposed to create a whole nother game. Plus, it's a great deal just price-wise. It's like 50% off. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And what they're doing, and I'm glad they're doing it in waves like this as opposed to just releasing everything all at once, Uh, But wave one, we got eight tracks, two cups. So we got the golden dash cup and the lucky cat cup. I'll kind of rattle off the different levels here and kind of talk through them. So one of the, I guess, biggest surprises or highlights of all of this DLC 
is that they remastered a lot of the Mario Kart Tour tracks. Mm-hmm. So Mario Kart Tour was an iOS game. Um, you can play on your, you know, your smart devices, if you will. Um, the unfortunate thing about that is you're, you're playing on a mobile device. And um, I think it's kind of similar to those games where you can only play for uh, certain fucking energy, five energy every three hours and you have to wait. Yeah, that kind of a thing. But thankfully, they've remastered a lot of these tracks for this DLC. So Golden Dash Cup, we've got Paris Promenade, which is basically set in Paris, France. You get to drive under the Eiffel Tower beautiful beautiful track lots of fun you got toad circuit on 3ds choco mountain a classic track from the n64 mario kart and then coconut mall from the nintendo wii one of the most played uh mario kart tracks on mario kart wii for me and my friends back in the day the only unfortunate thing about coconut mall is if you'll recall or at least some of the listeners might back when you were able to have an entire like center of Mies. I forget what the, it's like Me Plaza, yeah, on, Plaza on the Wii. Yeah. You had like Michael Jackson, Barack Obama. You had all kinds of random celebrity Mies. I must have missed getting celebrity Mies. Well, yeah. So you had like an entire, um, you know, city full of celebrity Mies. Oh, shit. And sometimes they would appear in the games that you were playing. Oh, and in Coconut Mall, at the very end, you would have these cars come out into the center of the lane to try and disrupt you as you were driving. Yeah. And you'd have Barack Obama pull out. You'd have <laughs> Michael Jackson's me pop out. I've never thrown a shell at Barack Obama, but through the Wii, I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, for the Switch, you don't have a me plaza. Yeah. Um, and they need so, to bring me's back. I like those. They're fun. I mean, you can you can use me's in, in Smash Brothers. But, that's true that's less fun though yeah um but in coconut mall the remastered track instead of me's you have little shy guys pulling out mm. which is far less exciting um but anyways coconut mall great track lorna had a lot of fun playing that last night and then lucky cat cup you have tokyo blur which is wonderful driving around the city of tokyo oh, very cool that's a mario kart tour track shroom ridge from mario kart ds sky garden from mario kart super circuit um, on the Game Boy Advance, and then Ninja Hideaway, which is also from Mario Kart Tour, another standout highlight track from this DLC. Really fun. Lauren and I played that for a couple hours last night. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is just one of those go-to games where if I don't know what to play, I'm in a gaming rut, I just want to kind of veg out and play a game, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is definitely the one I go back to all the time. Yeah, it's a fun one. I need to get it now that a bunch of maps are coming out. Yeah. And I'm getting closer to unlocking everything, too. Um, I'm working on collecting 5,000 coins. Is that how you get, like, gold? Yeah, I think it's gold Mario or gold rims or or something something rather. Yeah, I can't remember. You can't get a trophy, but gold stuff is the second best. It is. It is. So, yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, the DLC, $25. The price of admission for that is an absolute steal in my eyes. I would not be surprised if at the end of 2023, when all of these waves have been released, if they release Mario Kart 8 Ultimate, or just, they call it Mario Kart Ultimate, and have all the DLC, all the original tracks, and it'll probably sell 20 million copies. Yeah. That'd be a good way to market it, for sure. Yeah. So, anyways, Ryan, that's about it. That's that's all I played this week. We had a pretty brief episode, but I'm kind of okay with that. Um yeah, it's good welcoming you back, get you ramped up. 
Yeah, figure out how to talk again. <laughs> it, it's surprising. I mean, it's a process, but talking for two hours straight, it wears you down. It does. So we'll call it a wrap there. Thinking about the next couple of weeks, episodes that Ryan and I have in the pipeline, like Ryan teased at the top of the show, there is going to be an indie game special. Ryan and Lauren have been playing a more relatively recent indie game release that they've been having a lot of fun playing i think yeah i want to i was preparing notes for that actually for this week and i think it was the most talked about or fourth most talked about game of 2021 dang which is surprising for an indie game yeah but yeah you love to see it so they will be reviewing that game either next week or in the next couple of weeks and after that ryan and i will be getting back into our rhythm of recording we'll return to some of our favorite segments like Memory of Melodies, where we play some fun tracks based on a particular theme that we love queuing up. We also have our Destiny Island Challenge segments, where we pick a particular console. We've already done the Sega Genesis. We've done the Nintendo GameCube, where we do a complete breakdown of the system, its history, sales numbers, kind of just a retrospective of the console. We also talk about, as the name of the... um, the topic might imply Destiny Island, where we have to select five games that we will take to that island and play for the rest of our lives. And we have a very special friend of the show that will be a guest, hopefully, on our next <clears throat> excuse me, Destiny Island Challenge episode, where we will be doing the Sega Dreamcast. Ooh. All right, so I won't tease who it's going to be. Uh, He's not in the Discord. He used to be, but he got logged out because he forgot his password or something. (laughs) So this is a call out to that particular person to text me, ask for a link, and get back in the Discord uh, because that's probably how we're going to end up recording the episode, buddy. So get on that. All right. So yeah, lots of fun episodes down the pipeline. Ryan and I have no shortage of them. We're really excited to get back into the groove and rhythm of recording some Otaku Brothers for all of you wonderful people. But... As we always do at the end of every episode of Otaku Brothers, I always have to turn it over to my co-host and say, do you have any parting words or fun facts for our listeners? I don't have fun facts, but I heard two funny jokes on uh, a YouTube channel called The Spiffy Brit, which is basically a British dude who talks about tea a lot and just goes into some of these more jank indie games and just destroys them. Okay. Like destroys their economy, rules the world. So I've got two jokes. Um, a ghost walks into a bar. The bartender says, sorry, we don't serve spirits. Nah. <laughs> I I was like, I that one isn't the, the main one that made me crack up. The second one is, a guy walks into a bar and asks if they have any helico- helicopter flavored crackers. The bartender shakes his head and says, sorry, we only have plain. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I love dad jokes and these are the most dad jokes ever so they found me i found them funny hey man i'm glad you got a kick out of those <laughs> i can just imagine you pulling those up in your apartment you know with your dog and just yeah losing just it. laughing to myself like an insane person yeah yeah that's great that's great well hopefully everyone out there got a kick for those uh those dad jokes <laughs> no one's laughing <laughs> they're like god i thought ryan was actually smart but no he's he's stupid <laughs> You know the best part of that, Ryan? You were laughing. Uh, yeah, no, I 
I find me really funny. We all do. That's all that matters, right? Because I have to live with me. We all do. So once again, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. A little shorter than what we're used to here on the Otaku Brothers, but we will be back for our meaty, longer episodes here in the several weeks and months to come. So stay tuned for those. And I hope everyone right now on this rainy, dreary day, at least here in the Midwest, is sitting down, playing some wonderful video games, drinking some nice, cozy beverages, And until the next episode, I guess we'll just see you around. Yeah, enjoy some Elden Ring and uh, we'll see you. All right, take care, everyone. (laughs) 